Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 113. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Hey, Sean. What's up, Brad? No yawns today. Do you remember? Evening. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> remember that time that guy commented? Like, I guess I was like having like coffee or something in one of the episodes. Uh-huh. And he commented, he said, learn how to drink, you idiot. <laughs> I was just thinking about that just now. Speaking of coffee, uh, we are sponsored by Coffee Shop of Horrors. Uh, check out their Bubba oh Spiced that, Bourbon. Fucking awesome. That's not where coffee I wanted this conversation to go. Use, that, use the code SCREAMCAST oh, to get God. 10% off. All right. What are you saying I'm about so, coffee? <laughs> I'm sorry that I brought this up <clears throat> now. The dude who told you how to drink coffee... Uh, is basically a fuckwad. I don't even know if he, he probably doesn't listen to the show anymore. If he does send us an apology and I will un, I'll take back my fuckwad comment. But Do you not remember then, like every episode he commented like our oh, Christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. episode? He's <clears> like, <throat> why the fuck are you playing Christmas music? <laughs> I was like, cause it's Christmas. Yeah, it's Christmas. I don't know. We're talking about Christmas horror films. Hey. Like, Shut up and sit down. This is our podcast. Uh, yeah, listen. we make the millions of dollars. Go listen to, uh, you know, those guys over, you know, the guys who are in L.A. Shockwaves podcast. If you want something good. I mean, this is, <laughs> we're uh, we're unbought. We're punk rock. We haven't sold out to anybody. Yeah, we're Green Day before they became Green Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Heck yeah. Kerplunk. Wow. Okay. That's, that's right. enough. <laughs> we have a pretty cool episode. Can we just start over? We're going to, no, fuck that. Oh. We're, we're going to be, uh, dang, cracking it. To, uh, drinking a past blue ribbon because I'm a hipster. Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. It's a diet Pepsi. Um, no Coke be, Zero? That's weird. Not a Coke Zero because there was a sale on Pepsi products. Tangent, uh, side tangent, there is no Crystal Pepsi in my immediate area. It's pissing me off. Dude, I had Crystal Pepsi the other, like, I went to Target and it was there. And I was like, you know what? I remember enjoying this. I picked it up. Dude, it is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's I loved it. Better than I remember. Because, like, you know, when Surge came back last year, I was like, oh, shit, Surge. And I took a sip and I'm like, what is this shit? Like, why Surge am I drinking? always tasted like shit. To be See, clear. I remembered it tasting fairly decent. Yeah. But I was also like, you know, six. <laughs> so whenever I, re- you know, reading about Crystal Pepsi, I was like, oh, shit, I remember having that like a couple times. And I really liked it. So I figured it was going to taste like shit, but it's like really, really good. Yeah. I gotta, and yeah, it's not going to be around for a while. I know. I need to see if it's at Target. I've been to everywhere except Target. Uh, so maybe. Isn't it exclusively at Target? Is it? Maybe that's my whole problem. Uh, I don't know. I, mean, I thought gotta, it was. I got to go out and get Ash versus the Evil Dead. So, oh, what goes to your spending more money oh, on? I no, I actually have cash set aside just for Ash versus the Evil Dead. Oh, okay. Cash money, millionaires, twenty five dollars set aside. Okay, uh, where were we? Oh yeah, we're gonna be talking to Nico B of Cult Epics and his new label, Real Gore. Be talking about violent shit. Uh, it's coming. The movie. Out. The movie and, uh. Masks. Masks. So we'll be talking and about. We have that. a couple exclusives coming up too. So grab your pens and write them down. They'll be in the show notes. 
<laughs> but yes, excited to get to that. But first, we need to get to what's on our doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. <laughs> oh, shit. What? That echoed weird. That, that was nice, though. Weird. That's like it's a voice. It's a voice of an angel. Yeah. Uh, hold on, my dog's scratching at the door. Oh, what does he want? Or is it Noah? Daddy, can I have some ice cream? You didn't feed me dinner. Lay down. Can we have Noah's like reviews of the month? <laughs> no, not yet. He's in the other room, but uh, he would totally take over this podcast. You know how like those YouTubers like interview their moms for like older movies. Mm-hmm. We need to do that with Noah, but it would be- actually be really good and funny. Probably, I'll see by getting on that. Cool. All right. Uh, we won't pay him though, so let's just be upfront about that. <laughs> right. Uh, am I going first? I'll go first. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Since you usually take the wheel. Well, I just watch less than you, so and run this podcast into the ground. By the way, I mean, I I finally went through my uh, all the movies that I have been meaning to get to my to watch pile. I have I haven't, you know, uh, I've officially finally sorted all the movies that I've bought over the past however many years, and the movies that I've been wanting to watch and haven't watched yet, and it was slightly depressing. I was tweeting out pictures. Uh, yeah, it just looks like you have a problem. I have a problem. There's a lot of there that I've seen before on DVD. I just haven't watched the Blu-ray yet, so that's why that's why they're in there. But um, but Jesus Christ, it was like it was cool, but it was also kind of depressing at the same time. Now, I'm is your is your to watch pile though? Is it films that you've never seen or just stuff that you bought that you haven't watched? It's 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 a combination. Stuff that I've bought that I haven't watched and stuff I haven't seen. I need to dive in further and separate the stuff that I haven't seen from the stuff that I just want to watch on Blu-ray. See, I'm different. I usually just – if I've seen it, I usually put it to the side. Like I put it in my – you know, alphabetize it, mm-hmm. put it in the – categorize it and put it in the catalog and stuff. And then I usually have a stack of what I haven't seen because that's more important. Right. And then when I'm like, you know, caught up with that, then I'll like look through and I'll be like, holy shit, I own that on Blu-ray. And then I'll watch it because right. it's like it's like Christmas. Yeah. I you mean, know, I don't, getting... I don't look at the stuff that I bought constantly. I, I bought stuff I have no idea. But <laughs> that becomes a problem because then I rebuy shit every once in a while and I'm like, god damn. I found a few doubles, by the way. Yeah. Um, and somebody, one of our, uh, somebody, I think it's one of our listeners pointed out that I had, I had two, um, sons of Batman for some reason. No idea. How, I had no idea how I could double buy that. That's somebody that's really looking through each title. I know. It's pretty cool. I mean, some people you can tell, like, looked through the entire stacks <laughs> just to see what I had. It's pretty funny. But, uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing a great re- reorganization and my office is going to become my shrine. Now so you just have to watch them. I will be putting, all the movies, all my to watch pile basically shelved in my office and those will be separated by haven't watched and movies that I eventually want to get to that I've, you know, seen before. So I'm sure people really care. That'll happen. Uh, there's some nerds out there. You guys feel me. Hey, are you guys, uh, doing some you meditation? Guys, 
You know, the station here. Uh, I wish I had just a big movie room. I wanted it separate, separated by genre like a video store and alphabetized. Someday I will have a full room dedicated to that. It'll be amazing. I'll set it up to look like a, uh, I don't know. It, it'll be, it'll totally have, like, it'll even have the privacy, uh, black, uh, curtain for the, uh. You know, I'm looking, I'm looking at, um, our listeners and they just, they keep going down. We, we can't see our <laughs> listeners live. We hey, don't have that ability. I can feel it. I can feel it. All right. Here we go. Um, <laughs> I only got a couple here, a couple things to talk about. So I'm, I guess I'm stalling, but the first thing that I watched was a code red Blu-ray that I had been meaning to get to. It's a 1985 film called The Strangeness. And this is a film, uh, about some, uh, people that want to go into a mine on an expedition to find, uh, some, uh, some expensive shit. And, uh, there is a claymation monster waiting for every one of them. Now, what I liked about this movie was actually, I, I actually really dug a lot of the characters. Like it's a BC level flick, but the characters I think are actually pretty entertaining. Um, there's this one kind of like he's done these ex- expeditions before and, you know, he's, he's a lot of fun. His character is so yeah, there, you know, a lot, a lot of that stuff was actually pretty good. Uh, the monster looks like complete shit. It's amazing this even got put out. Cause it, there's a scene where they, it looks like something out of, uh, what was that Seth Green, uh, stop motion? You know, cartoon. Robot chicken? Robot chicken. It looked exactly like something out of Robot Chicken. (laughs) But, uh, entertaining. And it was an entertaining one timer. The, the problem with Code Red is like, this is the kind of movie you would, you know, you'd be with some friends and having some drinks and want to watch something stupid or whatever. Uh, you'd throw this on and, you know, have a good time watching it. But, you know, spending 30 bucks for a Blu-ray of this is, you know, is a tall order. So I don't know if this is actually legit streaming anywhere. I know that there's a DVD. So, I mean, I would say if you, yeah. if you, the tape. if you can find tape the DVD cheap, grab that. Uh, if you have 30 bucks to blow, I, I, you know, this has a couple, I guess, of the filmmakers, uh, Short films and there's a couple things on there, but um, so um, I forgot what the monster looked like, so I had to look it up. <laughs> Dude, it looks like a vagina. Yeah, <laughs> and there's not a whole lot of gore. Like the only gore is uh, like after they didn't have a good enough team, visual effects team or, or special effects team to really you know do some decapitations or anything on camera. It's all. Like they find a body after the fact that's been like half digested, full of maggots. Like that—that's the kind of that's the kind of gore that's in there. But, but like I said, the only thing really that saved the film was I think the characters. Like I actually really dug a lot of the characters. They they weren't great actors, but um, they each had a you know a personality enough and were you know were not card not as cardboard uh, as usual with these types of movies. And uh, so I don't know. It was it was fun. Like they made it fun. But uh, like I said, like. It was, it was a good one-time watch, you know. I'll, I'll, I don't know if I would ever revisit this one again unless it's with some friends and there's alcohol involved. Mm, I, I haven't but, seen it in forever, but I, I remember enjoying it. For, oh, the the soundtrack's part. great, by the way. The score is fantastic. Fantastic electric score, electronic score. And the the opening credits, man are just incredible. Like I I need to I need to rip the just the opening credits scene with the titles and everything. Uh, rip it and put it on YouTube because it's great. Like I would watch that on repeat. 
So there's there's a few things to dig if you dig this kind of stuff. Hmm. But uh, next up, I watch Jodorowsky's Dune documentary from 2013, uh, produced by Snowfort. Travis Stevens. Travis Stevens up mm-hmm. in the holes. And I've been meaning to get to this one. I don't know why I haven't really got to it sooner, but um, but goddamn, this is a good documentary. And I, it was, you're just sitting back listening to Jodorowsky, um, Alejandro, Alejandro Jodorowsky basically pitch or, you know, give his pitch on, uh, his version of Frank Herbert's Dune that he was planning on doing and, it, and he, they were in the planning stages for a long time hearing about how he would have done the film and um it's incredible this thing sounds like it would have been amazing and i don't think i've seen any of jodorowsky's films which is strange um one of the ones that i need to see anyway um but just hearing him talk about what could have been is incredible. And he was going to have Pink Pink Floyd do he was going to have all the main planets were going to have a different like progressive rock band from the 70s do the score for that planet. So Pink Floyd was going to be on one of them. This other like kind of heavier progressive rock band was going to be on another thing, uh, another planet. He basically he wanted to give like the viewer uh at the beginning like almost like uh comparable to like an uh, an an LSD trip uh kind of zooming in on the planets and everything and uh I don't know man this thing sounds like it would have been epic the artwork's incredible all the artwork that they show and I the, he has like a big gigantic bound book of the script and all the storyboards because he storyboarded the entire script and it would have been like a 20 hour movie apparently <laughs> he wanted it to yeah. be 20 hours yeah, I remember uh, but, uh, watching that doc. Oh my and it god, was, man! It's, it's insanity. The the artwork alone, like I want that book just for the art because he he got H.R. Uh, Geiger before he got hooked in to do Alien, doing designs. Um, uh, who else did he get? He got some like some amazing artists who all ended up doing science fiction films after the fact. Like he got all these people together, including like Dan O'Bannon. Uh, uh, he got them all together, and then I guess Dan O'Bannon like hired a bunch of these people for his projects afterwards, like Alien and things like that. But uh, if you haven't seen this documentary, uh, get on it because it's inspiring. It like got me kind of thinking about all the creative stuff that I've kind of abandoned and and it haven't followed through with. And it was just uh, it was like almost like a little kick in the ass as far as creativity goes for me. So if you haven't seen it, I think it's streaming on Netflix, but. I loved it, man. I, I was, I'm, I can't believe I haven't watched it sooner. So yeah. it's good, man. It's, it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's really, it pairs well with that, uh, that lost souls documentary. Yeah. Yep. Watching, uh, the Richard Stanley story. Yeah. Cause Richard Stanley's interviewed in this as well. And kind of the same, like a lot of the same kind of, uh, critiques or criticisms of the Hollywood system, you know, in both those films. Yeah. Both those documentaries. So yeah, definitely recommend it. Um, it'd be amazing if somebody took, would take all that and do like an HBO miniseries. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, do the 20 hour thing and stretch it over a season. It'd be incredible. But my favorite part of it was like he was all like upset. And then, um, 
uh, Dune came out, which was directed by, ended up being directed by, um, David Lynch. David Lynch. And he was like saying how nervous he was. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he w- sat through it, he realized like, he goes, this is awful. <laughs> and he felt so much better about everything because David Lynch's, uh, was, was so awful. I have, a, I have a soft spot for David Lynch's Dune. I realize there's problems, but. Yeah, it's it has its problems, but I I I enjoy it for the most part. Yeah, it's an ambitious project. It really is. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like Jodorowsky's Dune was even more ambitious. So, uh, and finally, I picked up um, Eureka. It's a UK company, Eureka Entertainment. They released yeah. Cocoon on Blu-ray. And this isn't necessarily a horror movie, but this was a, a, a movie that I saw when I was young that really kind of, in, in, you know, instilled like the love of science fiction, you know, even in a I've small never seen way. It. And you've never seen Cocoon? Nope. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it like, seemed like an old person movie. It seems like that, but the writing is so good. Like this is, this is Ron Howard yeah. at his best as far as the characters go. Yeah. I, I, I don't doubt it's good. It's just one of those things that I just never got around to. And, and that's what I've always thought. Like, like re, because I watched it as a kid, and I, and I remember digging it, but I think it was just because, like, the girl was hot, and you got to see her ass, like, you know, in, in the film, like, the young girl, young, you know, woman, not girl. Oh, whoa. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. The young woman. All right. Uh, the love interest of the, of, uh, the, the, uh, the other young guy. I wish I were, I wish I remembered, like, actors' names like you do, because I'm fucking, aw- I'm awful at it. Yeah, and you describe them as a young girl. Is Steve Gutenberg? Steve Gutenberg. Oh my god. Yeah, he's Steve Gutenberg. not want to watch the movie. He, he's in it. He's actually good. He's wearing little, uh, nope. you know, short shorts. Can't do short it. shorts. Can't do Gutenberg. I can't even do Police uh, Academy. The actress, her name that. is, her name is Tawny Welch. She was a model. What else was she in? She was never really in anything, uh, really, uh, she was in, I shot Andy Warhol and, uh, Blacklight. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, um, but back, back to the, it's, I mean, it's, it's eighties, but it's, the characters are really well written and, um, the effects, I think for the most part kind of hold up, but, but yeah, I mean, my wife and I watched it and, and she, she loved it and it's, it's a wonderful feel good kind of movie. And, um, uh, with a little tinge of science fiction, I don't feel like a lot of movies do that anymore. Like it's either all science fiction now, or it's kind of corny science fiction, you know what I mean? Like this was like the kind of a perfect blend of kind of comedy and drama and and uh, science fiction all, all kind of rolled into one. But the Eureka Entertainment Blu-ray looks great. I don't know why it's not. Uh, there's no domestic Blu-ray release for it, but um, it's region B locked, and uh, you can get it through Amazon UK, I believe. But if you love the movie like I do, uh, fantastic score by James Horner as well. But uh, it's definitely worth picking up if you are a fan and uh, don't want to wait to see if a U.S. version is going to come out. Cool. And that's all I got. All right. Well, I have um, – I finally got around to seeing Clown. Uh, it's been out for a while in the U.K. and other countries on Blu-ray. Um, but it finally got released by uh, Anchor Bay over here. Um, I never forked over the money because I was just – like I like Eli Roth. But anything he's attached to these days, I usually don't like. I don't. 
I, I can't think of the last Eli Roth movie other than, you know, I think maybe Hostel Two. Yeah. Uh, or you know, something he worked with, like you know, uh, you know, Death Proof or you know, Inglorious Bastards, something with Tarantino. Yeah. Have you seen Cop Car? It's the same director. I, uh, I'm I'm talking about the movie right now, Sean. Um, but yeah, no, I love Cop Car. I talked about okay. it on the show. I, I think Cop Car is fantastic. This so is I was, up. you know, I was really wanting to see uh, what he uh, what he did with Clown. Uh, the premise is great. It is about a realtor who uh, wants to be basically the best dad in the world. This uh, this clown cancels on his son's birthday party, so he finds this clown outfit outfit at one of these houses. He puts it on, and he soon realizes that it was locked up for a reason because it's actually not a suit. It's a skin of a demon. <laughs> um, so he slowly is uh, becoming this uh, demonic force. Uh, great premise, yeah. great idea, but it's just I did not like the execution. Huh. Uh, there were some kind of cool moments because, like, the clown, like, you know, the, the demonic – or the demon eats children. Like, that's how it's – but it of just course. never goes, like, you know, full force. It's always, like, really held back and doesn't really go anywhere, like, on the on – the, like the tangent of, you know, hey, let's be. It can't. It feels like it can't make up its mind what type of movie it is. Hmm. Like at times, it's like it w- feels like it might be hardcore horror, and then slowly backs up and becomes kind of a story drama. I don't know. I just like I see the appeal for it. I really do. It's just it wasn't my cup of tea. But I love the premise. I love the plot. I love Cop Car. He's doing the next Spider Man movie. Yeah. So, you know, good for him. Uh, one thing I have noticed on the show is that I mention um, I mentioned movies like at festivals and stuff like two years ago, and then I never talk <laughs> about them again. Right. So I get asked like, hey, have you seen this? And it's like, well, yeah, I saw it like two years ago, but you probably don't remember. So just <laughs> real quick, like watch Green Room. Like I know that we talked about that. Watch Midnight Special. You know, uh, watch uh, watch the boy. There's an uh, there's another movie that just came out on Netflix. I fucking raved about during Fantastic Fest 2015. It just hit Netflix. It's on demand. It's called Too Late. It's uh, you know has John Hawks in it. It's a fantastic film. It's like in vain of Tarantino. The film is shot in five different shots with 22 minutes each take wow. of a continuous shot. And it's made up of five different, like basically scenes, uh, uh, throughout the film. What's that it's, one called? I need to make sure it gets it's on called, the site. It's called too late. T O O L A T E. Um, so, uh, it, it's, it's just, a, it's really well written. Uh, when you watch it, you kind of be like, man, this is like fucking someone's jizzing all over Tarantino's work. Cause that's what it's like, you know, between the conversations and that people have, but man, this movie tear, like, here's the thing, watch too late and enjoy it and then watch it with somebody else. So you can, cause the movie's special hmm. because watching it the first time you're like, man, that movie is really fucking good. But knowing what you know after you watch it and watching it again, it's a completely different perspective. That's awesome. I, I love films like that. It's fucking gut-wrenching though. Oh mm. my god, dude. So just get ready. Bring out the tissues. And that's not for masturbation. <laughs> um, 
Another thing, I, I this is my number one movie of the year. I saw this at South by Southwest. It just came out on Blu-ray just a couple few few weeks ago. But it's Richard Richard Linkletter's follow up to Daisy Confused. Everybody wants some. Literally one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And what I like about like Days to Confused and Everybody Wants Some and films like this, it's not fucking jokes. It's not yeah. like these huge situational things where it goes on for 15 minutes or a big setup. It's just guys. It's just friends like yeah. hanging out, having normal conversations and just doing shit, like just doing random shit because right. that's life. That's always the funniest stuff when, when the best stuff is when it's captured like, like that don't you like just sitting down with your friends and bullshitting well that's what everybody wants sums like because it's literally three like three days before college classes about a bunch of baseball players that are housed together that party and fucking hang out for three days straight that sounds like like if that's the premise of the movie i'm down 100 percent. but everybody wants some is fucking hilarious the trailer i know the trailer's not that great um, but that's the thing is because there's not those like moments, like a Will Ferrell moments, like grab me a donut or meatloaf or whatever the hell he says. It's not, <laughs> not, there's not situations like that. No, it's, you know, it's very small jokes, uh, very small situational things. It's real life is what it is. Uh, but it's, it's perfect. It's my number one of the year. I don't think any bad thing is going to replace it. Sweet. Um, and then uh, another film that I talked about a little bit um, a couple months ago, but I wanted to revisit because I don't feel that a lot of people listen to me uh, on this one, is go watch They Look Like People. It is one of the best uh, micro-budget um, thrillers uh, that, you can, that you can see today. Uh, micro-budget films, you have to give a little bit more I, – because I – I'm a little biased because I'm a little bit more forgiving when it comes to micro budget, just because it's you know they hey man they filmed this movie at two thousand dollars kind of like the battery they filmed it for like what six thousand dollars I can yeah. embrace that I can be like okay you don't have the money to do this so you do this instead like I get it I can view that I, I can watch a movie and enjoy it from that aspect well for me you it know? always boils down to like the characters like that's what makes the battery so great is yeah. you love watching these two guys just bullshit with each other and get through this like post zombie post apocalypse together you know that's that's what really makes that film yeah and, that, and that's kind of what they look like people it's about a guy who feels that these shapeshifters are taking over the slowly taking them up for the world he's getting these phone calls stating that he needs to prepare because in like in five days the war is going to begin and he has to prepare to basically be on the run he hooks up with an old friend of his and slowly but surely he gets to the point of saying hey man I need to get you out of town because shit's happening and you slowly get to see like what he sees. It's very, it's very, it's so fucking like the dread is just overpowering the film. To me, it's terrifying. Um, and it's just one of those films that hits you like really hard. Um, and I think it doesn't get enough praise because of kind of how everything unfolds. But I think it's absolutely brilliant and well executed. Cool. So uh, definitely watch uh, They Look Like People. It's on the man. You can uh, watch that. Um, now to like kind of the newer stuff. Um, I talked about this film, Fantastic Fest 2015 as well, but it just came out on Blu-ray. Um, 
it's draft house films. I think it's number 37 in their catalog. Um, but it's, uh, Raiders. It's, uh, it's about, um, uh, the film that these little kids made, they made a, uh, an adaptation, uh, a remake of, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark shot for shot, um, from the time that they were like seven until they were, you know, uh, like 14 or 15 or something like that. Uh, or 10. I think they're 10, 10 to 17, I think is, so they filmed this movie for seven years. Um, every summer they got together, they got money together. So basically you get to watch the documentary is about the movie. So, but in, in I've actually seen the entirety of the original film. It's, all shot out of sequence. So sometimes like the lead is 10 years old, then he jumps <laughs> to 17, then he's 15, then he's 10 again. But they literally do shot for shot of Raiders in some sort of way. They found a location that looks similar. Uh, they did some dangerous fucking stunts. They lit <laughs> fires in their basement. Um, but Raiders, the documentary, is basically uh, what they did is that they finished the film technically – not, well, not technically. They didn't technically finish the film. Um, they stopped because they couldn't do the airplane scene, uh, mainly because it was big. It was huge. They couldn't pull it off because you can't fucking blow up an airplane, and they didn't want to do miniatures. <laughs> so they left the film alone for years. And then year, uh, a few years ago, they got back together. They did a Kickstarter for it to raise money to film the last scene. Oh, yeah. Um, so they got together, and it's a basically the documentary is about the movie that they made, but also about how they did this last scene. Wow! Um, so it's it's got the story of like how it was kind of founded and how it kind of blew up again. You know, Eli Roth was actually a big part of it. Um, you know, uh, Harry Knowles, even though I can't really stand the guy, he he did uh, he did some good because he put it in his buttonomathon. And that kind of generated even more buzz for it. The documentary, it's sweet, it's funny, it's you know kind of heartbreaking at times. It's just a really intimate portrait of basically the two. There's three. There's a trio, but it mainly focuses on the guy that plays Indy and the director of of the film um, of the original Raiders movie. Um, but just it's it's a great look at their life, uh, what they've went through, and just two film guys that really love movies as a kid that wanted to do probably one of the most ambitious things, you know, because you, you have your friends get together, you film a f- movie over the summer, but over fucking seven summers. That's, that's some dedication, man. You know, having the same cast, casting all your friends and family <laughs> in your movie, and actually pulling it off to where it's not fucking stupid. Like that's amazing. It, it's yeah. such a great documentary. It's, it's definitely one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Wow. Um, next up we have, uh, let's see, here we go. I got around to watching 2013. It just came out on, uh, on demand. This movie has been made for a few years, but it was called, um, the shower. It's now it's known as killer party and not the killer party from 1986. Um, it's about a group of friends and family that get together for a baby shower and this kind of pseudo zombie apocalypse thing happens. Um, it's a comedy, um, but it tries to go on serious tones every once in a while. It's just that they're at a party and kind of uh, the infection makes you crazy, kind of like rage virus and 28 days later. But you are absolutely insane, so you just act crazy. To the point where it's funny. 
um, it just it loses its steam. Like it starts off so good, like really funny, just very like kind of mumblecore esque, and then just becomes kind of. I think they got mixed up of like if they wanted to stay a comedy or they couldn't blend it together very well. That's what it was. It's like they they were either straight comedy or sh- trying to be straight horror, but also do comedy at the same time, and it just didn't fit. Like they they just didn't blend it too well. Um, so yeah, whatever. That's about it. Uh, then I got around to watching um, uh, Creature Feature. Which is a new horror anthology. Um, so I got a little, little beef with this movie a little you, bit. You have a beef with most uh, anthology. Yeah. Well, films. well. Here's the thing: is that the film starts off, and um, a few years ago, I remember a post on reddit that blew up that became viral about like the most like scariest story you can say in two sentences um i wish maybe i should look it up uh anyways it was this reddit post that came out your scariest story in two Two sentences. Let's try it. Oh, it comes up at, on Reddit. It actually it populated already. Oh, here it is. It's the <laughs> first link that pops up. Yeah, because that was the um, yeah. It's what is the best horror story you can come up with two sentences? This person asked, and kind of the second, uh, second, third, fourth. Um, it's um. Sit, Three years ago, I began tucking me in the bed, and he tells me, Daddy, check for monsters under my bed. I look underneath for his amusement and see him, another him, under the bed, staring back at me, quivering, Daddy, there's something on my bed. Hmm. Send you a little bit of shills, right? Yeah. A little shills. Yeah, I think BJ mentioned this on the show. So I was like, holy shit, Like that's a really good fucking like little short story. Well, guess what the opening segment of this movie is? It's that scene. And I'm like, all right. So I like check the credits. Nope. It's just one guy making the movie. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, like that's kind of, that's kind of shoddy. Like, I, I don't know if I enjoy that. Cause that obviously went viral. A lot of people know about that story. Um, and then they used it in this, in this, uh, in this short. Well, then the next short happens. And then it's the clown statue, uh, urban legend. And I'm like, come on. Amusement did the clown statue. There's like three shorts about the clown statue. Like it's so predictable. Like anybody that has been on the internet or watches movies knows urban legends and is obsessed with them. Why the fuck are you doing the clown statue? By that time, I was just like, ugh. And it's also, dude, he just – like I don't know if he's trying to homage Creepshow, but it's about finding a magazine, and all these stories are in the oh. magazine, and there's comic book flips, and goes through the panels. Yeah, he's, he's probably trying to, you know, really because I just named, in, obviously he's being inspired by everything else. So yeah, I'm just like by this time I'm just like, bro. 
Like, come on. Like, I, it, it just kind of loses you from that. I don't even, I can't even remember the other segments to be honest with you. They probably <laughs> were the same thing. But I, at that point I was, I was actually perturbed because I was like, man, like I fucking rented this off of voodoo and it's I'm actually for free. Can, if you have uh, Amazon prime. Oh, uh, I guess watch it for free. If you want to see it, I, I suggest watching amusement, which is a much better horror film. That is kind of a horror anthology. Uh, that has a great fucking wraparound story. Um, and read the Reddit post because it's a lot better than the short. So, um, but anyways, it's just, it's overall, it's just very bland. Um, you know, I mean, bravo for making a movie, but uh, you can't, I don't know, man, there's gotta be some originality. Like you very first start off with those two things and you are homaging quote unquote creep show. Like there's got to be a fragment of originality in there. Like you literally have three things that are copying others. Like right. homaging is fine. Do the comic book thing, but have your opening segment not a Reddit post. <laughs> because, I mean, it, it, your movie came out, what, in 2016 and this thing is 2013? Give me a break. But anyways, it's if you like horror anthologies, I guess you can dig it. I'm not that big of a fan of anthologies anymore. I'll still watch them because I like watching a collection of shorts. That's that's what appeals to me mm-hmm. is that it's um I don't have to invest myself all that much. I can invest myself for 15 minutes. Right. You know, I, I enjoy that. Not saying I'm not going to enjoy the rest of the movie, but I, I enjoy watching short films. A short film, watching short films is a passion of mine. I love getting on the internet and just going to YouTube and typing horror short. I like doing that, um, and so I enjoy watching them. And this way, I get to see them. But it's just that we're just not. I mean, I think Southbound is the last decent. Uh, horror anthology just because mm-hmm. it was so different but it took me a while to actually get into that um i had to watch it twice before i was like okay i dig it um but other than maybe a couple of the vhs2 segments those were really great jason eisner's was fantastic but i don't know man it's like to me a horror anthology needs a strong opening a cool wraparound story mm-hmm. You know, and decent short films throughout, but yeah. spreading spreading all over the place. Don't make four thirty minute ones. Have like one that's five minutes. Have one that's fifteen minutes. Have one that's forty five. But make them strong. Don't drag them out because you have to make a feature. Right. Make more. You know, pull shorts from something else and intertwine them somehow in your story. Kind of like how. Um, Damien Leone did on uh, for his uh, film All Hallows Eve. He had a chance to make a feature, so he made two additional shorts, threw in three shorts that he already made, did a wraparound story with it, and it worked kind of. You know, um, I like it because I think the character he created could be iconic. Uh, the same way as we look at Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees, he he made a guy called Art the Clown. Art the Clown is one of the scariest fucking things I've seen recently because that guy can portray a fucking – type in Art the Clown right now. Whoever's on their computers, <clears throat> type in Art the Clown and look what I'm saying and look up the short film Terrifier. Oh, shit. 
because that shit is fucking creepy as fuck. It's really good. It's really brutal. It's a it's a very much a nightmare, and that's what I liked about it. But D- Damien Leone made a decent like for the money he had. He made a decent uh, feature. You know, he, he incorporated a few few of his shorts. He made a couple new ones, but it's all about just you know the presentation. And how you're going to do it. Like he made it basically a videotape where these kids watch this videotape and see these shorts. Kind of cheesy. Doesn't really work, work, work. But it's there. You know, we're just not sitting down watching short films. That's the one thing I don't like to do is put in a movie and then just watch short films. It all has to feel somewhat connected. I mean, yeah, that's no, what I feel it, like. it has to. Like I, I haven't seen VHS 2 yet. I need to sit down and watch it. Uh, but I, 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 for what it was, I liked the first VHS. I like uh, Trick or Treat. I feel like does it very well. Trick or Treat's one of the best. Probably it, is the best. Yeah, because everything kind of fl- you you have a nice flow into the next story, and it's all is contained, but it still is an anthology. Uh, the Creep Show ones always work, and um, I mean, there's there's a few, but I don't really seek out anthologies too much. I, I mean. Christmas Horror Story was okay. Um, gosh, there was another one that I watched. Is it Tales of Halloween? It was okay. Um, but, um, you know, for the, for the most part, I, I kind of don't expect a whole lot. And I get, get, that's probably why Trick or Treat uh, blew me away, just because it was just so well done and so contained, but still, you know, had different the different segments. So, well, all right. <clears throat> but anyways, um, so, yeah. All that to gonna, say is, you know, skip Creature Future? No, no, I don't want See anybody... Free if you want? Yeah, I don't want anybody not to watch a movie, because I think that's the worst thing you can do as a horror fan, is... Because right. I don't want to, like, slam critics, but dude, watch a movie for yourself. Don't have, don't have anyone talk you out of seeing a movie. Have someone talk you into seeing a movie. Mm-hmm. But never have anybody talk you out of seeing a movie. I think no one's ever talked to me out of uh, seeing a movie. They've uh, basically critics and stuff like that helped me decide how much I'm going to spend yeah, to watch yeah. a movie and where I'm going to watch it. Right, right. Like I could see that. Like you know, de- deciphering what you need to probably see in the theater if you want to read reviews and go ahead. I don't. I just kind of like look real quick to see, okay, this is getting positive buzz. I'll go see it. It's getting negative buzz. I'll wait for right, a video. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm fully on board with that because this world is expensive between renting movies, going to see movies, buying movies. I get it. But don't have anyone. I If you ever listen to this podcast and you didn't watch a movie because I didn't like it, I am ashamed. And I, <laughs> I am sorry. Because I never want that. I never want anybody not to watch a movie because I didn't like it. Because I don't like Fight Club, people. If you listen to me, you would never watch Fight Club. You know, it's every. It's all about perspective. It's all about even timing. Because sometimes you can watch a movie. Like I watched Close Encounters of the Third Time, the Third Third Kind, years ago. I fucking hated it. Like, this is probably like 10, 15 years ago. It's one of my fucking favorite movies ever now. <laughs> like, I saw it a few years ago. I'm like, God damn, this movie is so good. Yeah. So it's all about timing, perspective. Yes, there are just plain bad movies out there, and I get it. But you might find enjoyment out of them. So, you know, no. Yeah, ever, ever, always view a movie in your own terms. Yeah, yeah, watch everything. The only reason we, the reason why we even talk about it is to maybe get a second opinion. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, I don't want to sit here and I'm going to trash creature feature. I just didn't enjoy it. I just thought it was poorly done for the most part. But I'm still speaking about a movie because I still want to promote an indie film. Yeah. You know, I still want people to watch creature feature. If you didn't like it, tell me, you know, because um, I'm not a firm believer is like, don't support it because it will go away. No, I don't want that ever to happen. I don't want indie horror films to go away. Right. So rent and watch everything. Support it. Get more shitty movies. They don't hurt anything. No. Well, like what? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. You what? think you like a think a shitty movie hurts the industry or hurts no, you? No, it doesn't. It's just it's just there. It's your choice to watch it or not. You kind of can get the vibe. You know, maybe you like watch it. Follows or the witch, and you're like, oh, that movie's a piece of shit. Okay, that's fine, but you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people like it, if not millions. Almost. Yeah. Well, wasn't there one movie uh, you'd mentioned based on some one of these uh, school shootings or something like that? Oh yeah, I saw, uh, John Squires brought that up. I, I saw it um, when I was. Uh, I guess there's movies in bad taste, but ultimately was, they're not gonna. Yeah. Ultimately, I guess. Yeah, we can yeah. we can talk about that for a second. So there's a movie that I saw, I don't know, maybe about six months ago. I was helping with a, with a film festival, and I come across this movie called Joker's Wild. And it starts, and it opens with a, uh, a movie theater shooting. And the guy is dressed as, you know, has orange hair, has a clown, like a hardcore, like a mask, clown face, and opens fire in this theater, and he kills this person, or this theater, or doesn't kill. I, I it was a very bad movie, so forgive me if my like plot synopsis isn't one hundred percent correct. So this woman owns a theater. Her name's Aurora. Well, the fucking sh- shooting that happened was about you know Dark Knight with the Joker, or uh, um, Dark Knight Returns, which is about Batman. The guy's like wanted to pretend to dress as the Joker, some shit with his orange hair shot a theater in Aurora. So it's like, come on, man. And then like, it says inspired by true events. Like really that true event inspired you to make this fucking like violent theater shooting movie that becomes kind of this supernatural esque bullshit. Like, I, okay. That movie probably shouldn't exist. Like mainly because it's in really poor taste. You're making it on the success of someone's pain. Um, but there's got to There's got to be like, you can't always just say, all right, well you can't do anything because we have movies about Ted Bundy. We yeah. Have yeah. I mean, you know, Casey, like I said, like there know. can be things in bad taste, yeah. but I mean, nothing's, but you, we're not, you're, you're right. Exploiting, in a sense. We're not right. exploiting it. Like, yeah. you know, yes, many women were killed by, Ted Bundy. Uh, we have films about Ted Bundy, but they're also not like super mainstream stuff. And they don't focus solely on, you know, kind of the killer uh, and his, you know, exploitive way to make money or to kind of to spark uh, a crowd. Because like Joker's Wild, that's now called like jo- Joker, like, what's it called? It's called the Aurora Massacre now. <sighs> And it's like, oh, my God, you changed the title to actual what happened. And they're going to slap this thing in Walmart and people are going to buy it because they'll be like, oh, man, someone made a movie about that theater shooting. And it's technically not about the theater shooting. It Mm -hmm. just kind of takes that 
And that's the difference because, I mean, we want to watch a real-life movie about Charles Manson or something. It's fictional. It, it, it becomes, you know, hey, this is what happened. We want it like Zodiac. All right, Zodiac. The guy was fucking crazy, killed a few people, might have killed a lot more, still on the loose. But Zodiac is perfect. Like, it's a well-made – it's it's amazing movie. Yeah. Because they took the stories from Robert Graysmith – who actually helped decipher the Zodiac Code, who wrote a book on the Zodiac, took all his stories and made a movie about Robert Graysmith, um, about his findings and the, in, you know, the kind of lead and uh, the downfall of the Zodiac. Um, but it's, it doesn't exploit anything. It just tells facts. You know, in, in this movie, it doesn't tell facts. It takes somebody's horrible things that happen teenagers dying on their fucking birthday. And the one kid was a teenager, died on his birthday. He wanted to go see Dark Knight with his friends because his last tweet, remember, was like, I'm so excited, this is the best birthday yeah. present ever. Fucking dies. How heartbreaking is that shit? And you have the audacity to make a movie, uh, quote-unquote, based on that shooting? And that's just in poor taste. So I, I agree with you on that, Sean. Like, there, there's got to be some boundaries you Let's know, see. We can choose whether or not to support those or not, right, and most right. of the time, those don't really those. This you know, movie will it will sell like it. Uh, yeah, it'll know, be in a binet wall. It'll be in, but we're not uh, putting the director in a crap. fucking mansion or something. Or no, I mean he'll continue to make another movie. Hopefully, he'll make something good. You know, some people look at it as a cash cash grab. Whatever. Yeah, that's fine. You'll probably get yours in the end. If you, you know, you exploit people's pain. Right. But it's just, there's something, there's, you can do it tasteless or you can do it, you know, with style. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't go the style route, like David Fincher with the Zodiac and you make Joker's Wild, the Roar Massacre, then you're an idiot because you totally missed the point. You're missing the point and you're just bringing, you're just conjuring up like bad juju for yourself and also just like you're making people sick to their stomach that this exists. You're yeah. not going to create nothing but hatred for yourself. So you might just want to quit making movies altogether <laughs> because if you get, if you get like, you know, doxxed or something, then you might have a problem. Like you got to have balls to make a movie like that. You have to have balls to distribute a movie like that. Yeah. Because you could definitely have, because I don't know, man, DC might come after your ass. <laughs> they might, Cause, they might. Yeah, because like, you know, you might not be using the Joker, but you're using something that was definitely focused on Batman and something that they, you know, fucking Christian Bale, who has no reason. Like, basically, you remember Christopher Nolan, like, apologizing? Yeah. Like, that's, how badass is that? Like, you, this isn't your fault, dude. But you know what? You take the time out of your day to say you're sorry for something that you didn't really – you didn't have any root of cause. But like he he has the you know the kindness to do something like that. Or Christian Bale go visit like kids in the hospital or some shit. Yeah. Like that's the positivity we need. That's what we need is people going above and beyond. Even though they have nothing to do with it, they can live their life and never be bothered. But they take out of their time and day because it's important to them. Yeah. You know, that's cool. But All right, whatever. man. What else you got? Um, we gotta start wrapping up. I think that's it, man. You're so pushy, Sean. Um, we gotta get the people want to hear uh, our interview with Nico. We gotta we gotta get to it. Yeah, I think I think I think uh, I think that's it. Right on. All right, 
Well, we talked to Nico from Cult Epics about his new label, Real Gore. Um, so stick around and check that out after the news right now with Josh Obershaw. And Josh Obershaw is with us to bring us the news. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Going good. Welcome back. Another week, and I'm sure Thank we can expect much. some more uh, some more announcements and things going on. What you got? Well, uh, we got some uh, late-breaking news to tell you about. Well, we are getting a Phantasm, a new 4K restoration of Phantasm. Well, we're getting one of the original Dawn of the Dead as well. Ooh. And, yeah, and it's going to premiere at the Venice Film Festival on at, at midnight on September 2nd. And this is going to be presented by Dario Argento and Nicholas uh, Refn. Wow. And also of note, this is going to also going to be the um, the European version of Dawn of the Dead, which was released overseas under the title Zombie. So it's going to be the European cut, which okay. <laughs> I can't remember I mean, which uh, version I like the most. I think I've seen them seen them both. Yeah, I, but uh, yeah, I've seen all three versions. I mean, there's the American cut, then there's the extended version, mm-hmm. and there's this European version. I mean, they're all good in each of their own way. So that's yeah. you know, it, I think it's maybe because it's the Venice Film Festival, it is sort of a European film festival, and that's why that particular one is chosen. I'm just could be talking out of my ass, but <laughs> yeah. Regardless, we're getting a 4K restoration of a version of Dawn of the Dead, and Either one, it's a win. Sweet. And we also have three more Stephen King movies coming to Blu-ray. And obviously it is gonna be put out on Blu-ray from Warner Brothers because there's a you know, there's a, a new film version in the works right now. And um it's only gonna come with the uh, the commentary with director Tommy Lee Wallace, actors Dennis Christopher, Tim Reed, John Ritter, and Richard Thomas. There's also Salem's Lot and Cat's Eye come in the Blu-ray, and each of those are going to come with a commentary by their respective directors, Tobey Hooper on Salem's Lot and Louis Teague on Cat's Eye. And all three of those are going to be coming out on September 20th. Sweet. And next up, we have an update on the Thing Collector's Edition from Screen Factory. The release date has been pushed back just a little bit to October 11th, and that's because there was an audio issue with uh, with the film. So they're getting that worked out in time for the new street date, which, again, is October 11th. We've got two new releases coming out on September 27th. One is, speaking of Refn, his new movie, The Neon Demon, is coming out on that day. And the the extras are unknown at this time, but we'll keep you up to date with that, whatever those are. And the other one is going to be The Shallows. That one has four featurettes and some deleted scenes. And we also have two new releases on October 4th. One is The Purge Election Year. That has deleted scenes inside The Purge featurette and a character spotlight on Leo, played by Frank crossbones grillo <laughs> and 
And uh, the other one coming out on October 4th is The Wailing, and WellGo USA are going to be putting that one out. Next up for Screen Factory, we have we finally have those extras for Lady in the White, and they are a plenty because we've got what is this? Yeah, three different cuts of this movie. Can you believe it? <laughs> we've got an original cut, a director's cut, and an extended director's cut. Huh? Extended Plus, director's cut. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also have extended behind-the-scenes footage from production and post-production, an introduction by the director, Frank Lalogia, who was very helpful in putting this uh, this this new uh, Blu-ray together. Also, we got uh, behind-the-scenes, deleted scenes with an introduction by Lalogia, uh, promotional short films, all those other little good stuff. It's going to be a two-disc set, and the official street date is also uh, September 27th. So keep that one in mind. All right, and next up for um, anybody with a region-free Blu-ray player, uh, if you keep missing out on the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth with David Bowie, well, Studio Canal is putting out a new Blu-ray. That one comes out on October 24th. And there's a bunch of new interviews with uh, costume designer May Routh, stills photographer David James, uh, an interview with fan Sam Taylor Johnson. There's also interviews with Candy Clark, writer Paul Mearsberg. And this is going to be available in two different forms. There's going to be a standard Blu-ray release and a limited collector's edition set and that set exclusively contains a bonus John Phillips CD, an illustrated booklet with writings on the film, four exclusive art cards, original press book for the film, and a poster of the new theatrical quad for the 4K restoration of the film. Nice. This is also this has a standard version already out um, in the UK. That's a, definitely a lot cheaper than than this anniversary collector's edition or whatever but i think this is a different this is a different scan right it's the 4k yeah so yeah i got this i got this sucker i got that collector's edition on pre-order because i'm not gonna miss out on this movie again (laughs) oh me too i mean i um i was very very late to the part even though david bowie is my favorite singer and may he rest in peace and i was very very sad that he passed away in uh, this January on his birthday, even, but I was really, really late to the party with uh, the man who fell to earth, and I finally saw it, and now I want it. Yeah, well, really someone Criterion would do some sort of um, re-release, you know, but I, I apparently their rights have expired. I, I guess so. So yeah, for now, UK is our only hope. This this edition yep. looks fantastic. It does. Uh, next up from – well, speaking of Criterion, they just announced <clears> – <throat> as part of their November lineup, they're putting out the Lone Wolf and Cub collection. Mm-hmm. And this set, this set includes how many movies? One, two, three, four, five, all six movies. Yep. Uh, 2K digital restorations of all of them. Uh, High-def presentation of Shogun Assassin, the 1980 English dub re-edit of the first two movies. Uh, new interviews with – uh, Kazu Koike, 
the writer of Lone Wolf and Cub manga series. And new interview in which Sensei Yoshimitsu Katsushi. <laughs> I don't I don't speak Japanese and I should be I should be ashamed of that. I know somebody out there I know is shaking their head as we speak. A silent documentary from 1937 about the making of samurai swords with an optional new ambient score by Ryan Francis. Sweet. And this one this one comes out November 8th. So if you're a Lone Wolf and Cub fan, mark this one down. If you still have the uh Enemigo set that's out of print, list those suckers on eBay right now. You'll at least to be able to you'll at least get most of your uh the Criterion set paid for. Pro tip. Cool. And also also list <laughs> nice. your um Shogun Assassin Blu-rays. That'll pay for that set, mm-hmm. no problem. But you gotta be you gotta oh, be quick yeah. with this stuff because uh, once all the words start catching on about the Criterion set, you know, these these Blu-rays get you know get cheaper and cheaper when you try to sell them. So you gotta be quick. <laughs> Plus, uh Amazon accidentally listed uh, the Lone Wolf and Cub set as th- at 39.99 so a handful of us got locked in on a really cheap price <laughs> 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 so uh, be aware of stuff like that too if you're if amazon accidentally lists something at the wrong price that's crazy cheap uh if you're early to jump on that and order it they have to honor that price so Things I've learned over the years since I buy so many movies, I have to try to spend as little money as possible. Oh, of course. <laughs> All the pro tips, man. All of them. Okay, next up from Synapse, we've got some up. They gave us, well, they didn't give us personally, they gave Room more <laughs> some, uh, <laughs> uh, some updates on upcoming uh, Blu ray releases. Spoiler spoiler alert! Nothing on Suspiria yet. Ah, so get get your awes out now. But <laughs> but according to uh, Don May Jr., the president of Synapse Films, they just finished uh, the first disc of a Phenomena Collector's Edition, and they're in the middle of doing the second disc and the CD of the soundtrack. I'm assuming. They're going to be announcing shortly details for the popcorn Blu-ray and DVD. That's the one we're all waiting for right there. Yeah, me too. I haven't seen this movie in 25 years, and I cannot (laughs) wait to visit this. And uh, hot on the heels of the uh, the Violent Shit remake, they're going to be putting out a collection of the original Violent Shit movies. And according to Don May, he would like to get all of those out by the end of the year. But they've also got the rights to films from Herman Cohen, including Crocodile, Watch Me When I Kill, and The Horrors of the Black Museum. But another one I'm really, really excited about is that they are doing a true 4K scan of The Deadly Spawn. Yes. Yes. I'm so I'm so glad I didn't buy the uh, the other Blu-ray of this one. I almost did, and it was because it was going out of print. So I'm glad that I uh, held off. 
Yeah, I came across it at Amoeba, and I really wanted to buy it, but uh, I don't know why I chickened out then. And, and I'm glad I did because I heard that Blu-ray was shit. Yeah, pretty awful. So whew, save me some money right there. Oh, and one other thing. They're also talking to Joe Dante about putting out a Blu-ray of uh, Trailers from Hell. Nice. So finally, we have to do our duty and talk a little bit about Vinegar Syndrome's September package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the first title that they had teased was called Count Dracula's Great Love, starring the legendary Paul Nashi. This is going to be a Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, scanned and restored in 2K from 35. 30- 35 millimeter inner negative, a commentary track with director Javier Aguirre, with lead actor Paul Nashi, a new video, video interview with actress Mirta Miller. It's going to have the English dub and the original Spanish language soundtrack and an eight page booklet from Mirik Lipinski, and also reversible cover art as well. Next up. On their September package. Ooh, China and Silk. <laughs> yeah, it's from the director of Trashy Lady, which we, we which we covered recently on the show. Correct. And this one also stars Ginger Lynn. And also Harry Reams and Herschel Savage. Bonus features for this one. It's all of okay, all of these um Films in the um, in the September package are all going to be region free, whether it's Blu-ray or DVD. This one is scanned and restored in 2K from 16 millimeter original negative commentary track with the cinematographer commentary track with actor Herschel Savage and XRCO co-founder Bill Margold and a reversible cover art. All right, next up in the September package is two films from director. Richard Casey, and the first one is called Horror House on Highway 5. And this one is scanned and restored in 2K from 16mm archival elements. Hmm. Return to Horror House on Highway 5, making up featurette. Commentary track with director Richard Casey. Beach Party with Vom, music video directed by Richard Casey. And an alternate full-frame presentation of the film. This one was made in 1985. I'm not familiar with this one, but also another note. uh, Also another note about Whorehouse on Highway 5. This is going to be a limited set, so they're only doing 3,000 units of this, and it's going to be available exclusively through Vinegar Syndrome and through select retail partners like Diabolic DVD. And it's going to be the same with the next uh, Richard Casey movie in the package. That one's called Hellbent. And this was made back in 1988. And this one is limited to just 2,000 units. So Horror House on Highway 5, 3,000 units. Hellbent, 2,000 units. And um, bonus features on these, A Little Chaos, which is the making of featurette, a commentary track with Richard Casey, and original cover artwork by Cody Brown. And there's also word that they're probably going to be putting this out as a double feature uh, Blu-ray next year. 
Okay. Like late next year. Moving on to the next movie in the September package, which is another one of their Picarama double features. Eat at the Blue Fox plus Titillation. Hmm. Hmm. What's that one about? <laughs> uh, good times. Well, definitely good times. Very cool. That's all the news I have for you. All right. Uh, I think right now you can get uh, 40% off of these until September 1st. And then after that, I think yes. it's, uh before the 13th of September, it's a 35% discount. And then after that, it's 30% off. Um, and they are shipping the, and the August. The August packages are shipping, I believe, this week. So those of you who order those, those will be coming out very soon. Coming on, they'll be arriving on your doorstep very soon. And for the September package, all of those are going to be shipping out on September 27th. Awesome. Very good. All right, Josh. Thank you very much. All right. We'll talk to uh, talk to you next week. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Well, uh, this this month seems to be the month we're bringing everyone back uh, from last year, which is a good thing. Nico B joins us, of course. You know know him from Cult Epics, um, but he's also starting up a new label called Real Gore Releasing, and um, the two releases that are coming out or are out: uh, Violent Shit and Masks. So, Nico, welcome to the Screamcast again. again. Nice to talk to you guys again. <laughs> Yeah, but it's nice to have you. Uh, sound like sound like you're uh, in the room uh, with us this time around. Which is yeah, great. sounds much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been pretty, uh, you know, pretty busy since we last talked. I know that. Um, I mean, Cult Epics has been going has been going strong. Um, we just actually had uh, a little article about the um, the uh, uh, sex it? murder art. Sex murder art. Thank you, thank yeah. Joe. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Um, and uh, kind of going through that release, you know, and and but um, when we got word about Real Gore releasing, Brad was kind of wanted to get you back on to talk about that. Yeah. So um, well, I can tell you, you know, one thing led to the other. When I released uh, Yurk's films, and you know, ended up with the box set with all four films on Blu-ray and the soundtracks on CD. Um, you know, it kind of led me to a conversation with a guy I haven't talked to for like 20, 25 years. And same thing would happen with Jörg. And he mm-hmm. called me out of the blue. And I know I knew the guy because he released all these original violent shit movies. I used to sell them at my video stores and mail order to Europe. And, um, you know, he had kind of had the cult following kind of with these movies eventually. And even if they were so bad, they were they were extremely funny. And uh, people love these films for some reason or the other. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to release Violent Shit 
uh, after I did obviously Necromantic, but I didn't see the connection with Cult Epics because the one thing I always, that's myself, I always look for artistic kind of films. Yeah. Uh, even if Necromantic is so gross and whatever, it's still an art film to me, you know? And so I didn't see that in violent shit, obviously. And uh, anyway, we started talking, and he had some other ideas and other films he wanted to do. And um, one of them actually came up with was Masks, which I actually considered for cult epics uh, two years ago. But they wanted way too much money. And um, I didn't think it was the right price. And although I love the film... Um, at that time, uh, Sony Pictures Classics actually picked it up right after I discussed it with them, and the deal fell apart, but then they never ended up releasing it. And so it was kind of interesting that Steve was telling me about <clears throat> that he was actually kind of a sales agent for Mask for other territories, and he would easily get it among a bunch of other films. So that's kind of how we start talking, and I said – why don't we start a new label? It seems like horror is what people are looking for. And um, it's also something I've been involved with forever, but I never exploited it at cult epics that much. And um, we just started, you know, with a, with a bunch of IDs and, and, and films. And there mainly were films which were made in the last couple of years. And I think that would set us apart to start with from any other labels currently, because most of the hello, yeah, yep. you guys still there? Oh, okay. Yes, yep. <laughs> it's, uh, my screen dropped. I thought you dropped too. <laughs> <laughs> and so actually, just that, so that's kind of set us apart, which I like. Instead of doing you know retro cult classics movies only, I wanted to do something of now, and films will probably in ten years become cult classics or whatever. You know, like set a trend right now instead of uh, lingering on something which has already been. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we, uh, what our intentions are. Very cool. Yeah, I can, I can dig it. I totally see what you're saying about you know because you know I was excited when violent shit was announced because I was you know I, I remember watching that movie. I, I got turned on to that uh, that director when I saw. Um, uh, what's that zombie movie he did? Uh, zombie 90. Oh yeah. I think yeah. it's called. Um, and that's kind of what turned me on to him. And then I, you know, saw violent shit in that whole trilogy, but no, I, I, I could totally see what you're saying of, with cult epics is definitely more, you know, even if the films are super brutal, you know, that there is this fine line of, you know, artistic value to it. It's just not, you know, gore for gore's sake, very much like violent shit. It's meant to be mean. It's meant to be gross, you know, yeah. and also the, it's super low budget, you know? Um, oh, but I was, I was curious why, I mean, is it to deal with why masks on real gore and not on oh, cold okay. ethics? Oh, I, I don't know if you've seen, first of all, violent shit is obviously a remake. It's a new film. It's shot in Italy. It's made a year ago. Oh, it's the remake of Violent yeah, Shit. It's not the original Violent Shit. I missed that. It's oh. called Violent Shit, the movie. And it's a remake by Luigi Pastore. And it's it's kind of like Violent Shit meets a giallo. It's shot actually in Italy. And there were a lot of Italians involved. If you, you know, if you read 
the synopsis, you can see there were quite some actors. You know, the guy uh, from Cannibal Ferox is in it. This woman from Suspiria. Uh, this girl from 2B20. You know, there's all these famous people are in this movie. And uh, some of them actually passed away now, a year later. And um, anyway, yeah, it's a completely new movie. Like I said, our company is really focusing on films now instead of retro films. But there's something, you know, obviously related to these retro violent shit movies. Gotcha. Gotcha. Was there anything about releasing the old one, though? Because that's where I I thought... uh, That's a rights issue. It depends. You know, somebody else has the rights right now. Uh, according to Steve, uh, we would love to do it if they're not, uh, but they will come out eventually. And that's why we decided to release this first to get a new audience to know about violent shit. And then obviously automatically people want to see the original low budget ones, but you know, they, those ones could never be released on Blu-ray because they were the first films, actually horror films which was shot on VHS, uh, video format. And and therefore, you know, they were not shot on film, like most films in the 80s. And they were kind of trendsetting because they pioneered low-budget filmmaking before Blair Witz and any of these movies. And it, even if they're so bad, I mean, the, the effects are pretty good. They're pretty gross. Uh, they, they're kind of important, these films. Anyway, so there is a big difference between the new one um, because it is a bigger budget. Uh, it has a score by Claudio Simonetti, you know, from Goblin. And it was his brilliant, by the way. You can watch the trailer on, on YouTube. You can hear the music. And, um, you know, it's set apart from the original ones. So I thought you knew that, but I guess you didn't see the sales sheet. Oh, no, I just I saw violent shit and I didn't know there was actually a remake. Oh yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah. That's that's new to me. I I completely thought it was the old movie. Yeah, that's why I was kind of confused of why Matt. But that makes sense now, since you know, because masks. If that's the case yeah. with this uh, remake of Violent Shit, masks goes hand in hand because I'm a huge fan of masks. Um, we've talked about it on the show. Actually, uh, Pete Tomes and uh, Fernando Macabro. He was on um, not too long ago, and we talked about that film. Um, oh, cool. Quite a bit, yeah. He's he's a big fan as well, and I think because I mentioned it, I I was you know I said, hey, this would be a a great movie uh, for you guys to release because I remember it came out in festivals overseas, and I kept on hearing about it, like how it was in like vein of Suspiria and everything yeah. like that, and you know, it, as soon as somebody said a modern Giallo, I was already my interest was piqued, yeah. um, and then I. I actually had some friends pull through for me because shit never got released over here. I waited for, I don't know, two years, it seemed. Well, like I said, there were many people in the running for it. And yeah. It happened. And uh, I think it had to do with the producers probably or the, or the sales agent or whatever. I have no idea. But I'm glad it happens. And there was already a connection because, you know, Jörg made a film called German Angst. We've got a limited release through Arsploitation in the U.S., yeah, yeah, and one of the better films, actually, I must say, more than York's film was uh, Andreas' film. You know, and uh, there was a compilation of three shorts by three directors, 
and um, and there already was a connection. And I was been thinking of releasing German angst, but it it didn't relate to me too much when I was, after it was made. And so I'm very happy that I have this film of Andreas because I actually loved his. I think it was called All Rauner on German angst. It was an excellent short actually, and um, you know people should check it out. And uh, this kind of let let the whole thing connected the whole thing together somehow. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised by um, German angst. Jorg's sequence seemed a little like held back. Like I was expecting something like really really brutal, and it, I mean it still was. I mean it's uh, it goes there, but um, seeing his other films, like I don't know. He he definitely took a different approach to his his short in that German angst uh, German yeah. angst flick. Which one was Andreas? Was it the one that was in, like in the, the inner city? One. It was uh, about the drug that people take this drug and then they oh, can't yeah, yeah. do a right. howl, you know. And it's it's great. I thought it was great. And uh, yeah, York film. I think it was miss for me. It was missing plot um, as well. I think it, it needed some kind of climax, but didn't come, you know, at the end, but you know, it's still a rare kind of piece of art. Um, but it's not, you know, it could have been, I think. Yeah. So what's, um, what's the overall plan with like real gore? Are you kind of going after kind of maybe brutal giallo films or is it, um, I think Jello really, it just happened to be that, that violent shit, the movie was shot in Italy by an doctor. And it was his second film, but his first film never completed because the lady from uh, 2B20, can't remember the name, Lily, Lily Carter, she, uh, she, she ended up passing away during the shoot of his first film. So he actually never finished that film. And took the food and used it actually violent shit at the end, like a little homage, you know, uh, after she gets br- brutally murdered right after <laughs> in the film, not for real. And so, yeah, we're not really looking for Jello, but it just happened. And it happened to be that Mask was a Jello too. It just, you know, it just coincidence, I guess. Our third film, uh, which we haven't announced yet, I'm going to announce now is The Curse of Dr. Wolfenstein. It's a, it's a low-budget uh, splatter movie, but it's extremely gory. <laughs> it's, like, extremely gory. Mm-hmm. And you can actually watch, if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, you can actually watch the trailer already, and you'll see it's, like, way, it's, like, the, the most gore count on any movie you've ever seen, probably. Probably more than film Peter Jackson did and stuff like that. <laughs> But it's extremely, uh, uh, you know, it's it's low budget, but it really uh, scores, you know. And that will be actually our October release coming up. Okay, cool. cool. Directed by Mark uh, Ronstock? That's right. All right. That's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, as soon as you say a lot of gore, I... I sounds like that's going to be uh, more or less on the lines of practical effects yeah. with... Um, so well, yeah, I'm all I'm all on board with that. And that's the same with mask. Uh, you asked me, you know, why mask? Uh, how does it fit with real gore? But it's but again, it's a jello, but extremely gory as well. You know, it's like yes, yeah. it's really yeah. Well, you've seen it. Uh, it. Actually, it kind of turned my head a couple of times when I watched it with a 
lady friend, so we both was not the right moment we saw it for the first time. I was like, <laughs> you know, I always see these reviews of guys reviewing uh, cult epics movies or uh, like your good ride, and they always say, oh, if I watch it with my girlfriend, uh, you know, they're watching it with their girlfriend. I always tell them, don't watch it with your girlfriend, but you know. <laughs> You want to watch a different movie with your girlfriend. But there are girlfriends who like these kind of movies, I'm sure. You know? But that didn't happen when I was a, a mask. And I think it was uh, a real fun experience at the end. <laughs> it's like, anyway, you have to watch it to see it. So, well, I mean, it's it's beneficial to have these two labels, though. I mean, because you still get the, you know, the really artsy side and then you can have – you know something, you know, because it's it's nice because that's what you know Vinegar Syndrome was kind of doing with their, um, you know, their label Etiquette Pictures. They yeah. want to save the more artsy stuff um, for that, and you know, of course, everything else can fall under, um, you know, Vinegar Syndrome. So that's that's nice to have. So I'm anxious to see what else you, uh, what else you can conjure yeah, up. Um, another one director we're looking at. Right now, uh, Steve already met with and gave us the consent to release his films, uh, which is Marion Dora. You know, Marion Dora is kind of the answer to your good right in the 80s, you know, now. Do you know his films? Um, if you name one, I might know it. I don't recognize the name, though. It was a, uh, originally released by Unheard It's out of print now. It's called Cannibal. And Cannibal. Uh. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that by Unearthed. You've seen it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all out of, long out of print. Um, yeah, yeah. And that, all that kind of that. As to his other films, you know, Angel of Melancholia, which has not been released, uh, among some others. So we either release a box set of his first films, of the, fir- of the first releases, or we may release them individually. Um, we're trying to figure it out now, but that's you know goes even a step further. Yeah, Master Video just released or did release one of his uh, other films. Um, that's right. I picked that up. God, what's the name of that movie? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's Journey, on, it takes place on a boat. Yeah, it's it's called Journey. I can't remember. Apocalypse uh, or something. I can't remember. It's a Greek name, I think. Voyage to Agatha. Yeah, 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 that sounds. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's yeah. It. Uh, yeah, I, also, I haven't seen it. I also uh, picked it up. I have not watched it yet. Uh, but, you know, these are the new film directors, which, you know, are a very extreme. Um, I did rather – the guy actually doesn't show himself. If you watch on YouTube interviews with him, he always wears a mask or his face is, you know, blacked out or – He's afraid to get prosecuted in Germany. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing that happened to York in the 80s in, with Necromantic, you know. And, and he also had animal torture in his films. But, you know, it had a different message, obviously. Uh, but I read, I was reading about this guy. He basically makes these films as artistic films. He doesn't want to entertain people. He wants people to have a very extreme experience. The same thing, I guess, I did with my movie Pig that we just, you know, we didn't want anything to be fake. We want all the all the effects in Pig were real. The, all the effects in his films, everything that happens is real. It's real happening. It's not visual effects. And uh, because he wants people to have the experience and also the disgust and, and whatever happens if you watch this. 
and it should not be made for entertainment. I think I think it was kind of brilliant what he said. Uh, yeah. But uh, but it's obviously you know it's very extreme and very on the edge. I will say of all the films that I've seen, Nico, and I've seen a lot of shit and a lot of crazy shit. I actually had to cringe when I watched Pig, and I think I told you that. Um, but yeah, if anybody hasn't seen Pig, um, I tell you, man, that movie is fucking. That can do a number on you for sure. <laughs> so very, but I mean, really, really great. Um, definitely, um, definitely out there. So I, I, I I'm kind of now. I'm really anxious because. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's some of that stuff really appeals to me, and some of it doesn't. Like some of this, the newer um, uh, shit, like uh, you know, like that was it Adam Chaplin movie that that guy did, and then there's um, the guy did it the, did like Crossbear and Cemetery. Um, you know, just that really hardcore, uh, you know, stuff that's coming out. It, it's getting you know a lot of people love it. And yeah. I don't know. It's just all has to deal with story with me, um, or you know, just to how it's presented. You know, I, I just don't like you know gore for gore's sake. Yeah, stuff in the eighties and nineties, it was fun. Um, but this uh, this new stuff that's coming out, like you know, how the, all the August Underground stuff came out a few years ago. That's kind of what kickstarted this, like around two thousand five, two thousand six. Um, you know, like post-mortem and, and things like that. I, I gave that a shot. Um, and, you know, those people are actually really cutting on themselves, really vomiting. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man. This is just – sometimes it's a little too much for me. At least, you know, it's, it has to at least make sense or, you know, there's got to be some kind of artistic value. You know, very much, uh, you know, not to, you know, go on pig again, but, you know, pig makes you – makes you feel something makes you feel dirty make, makes you feel grimy it also just makes you think because there's a lot of pain involved um you know so things like that i can i can dig and i can buy um i just don't like that super hardcore stuff that is just super hardcore um you know so some of the films like you know i can't remember the director of cemetery and crossbear you just yep. had the movie hunters that came out yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, but I know what you're saying. We're actually screening. Yeah. We're actually doing a screening of Pig. I think it's on the 19th of August in Los Angeles. At actually, it's uh, I think it's an art facility, uh, Coaxal, where they show films, uh, and they're, they're having a special screening. Like somebody who's curating the night, uh, selected uh, who's also a director, selected Pig. Uh, the screen uh, as the last film there, so it will be kind of interesting, you know. Yeah. See how people react to it now. I did so many screenings in the past, um, but yeah, I know I know what you're saying. It's uh, but you know again with real gore, you know, in general we don't think artistic, but um, this kind of I was thinking actually it would have worked for cult epics maybe. But I still haven't seen all of his films, and what I read about it, it looks pretty brutal to me. And uh, to be safe, it's it's better <laughs> to release it on, on real gore, I think. Are, are you going to do that moving forward, try to keep more of the horror uh, on real gore? Or is it a specific no. kind of horror? Are you, are you... 
Not really, because uh, I have a film coming out. I released a film, which I think we talked about last time, was In the Glass Gates by mm-hmm. Augusti Pilarango. And uh, I've been looking to release his other films for a long time. And I finally found the right holder. It took me 10 years, <laughs> and literally. And I went from one company to the other. I talked to Augusti so many times, who has the rights, and every time with somebody else. And finally, I nailed it down and got an agreement. And we're releasing a film called Moonchild. And that's a spiritual, you know, horror film, very ghostly. And it's actually with Lisa Gerard. You know, Lisa Gerard is a singer on Gladiator and many of these kind of like, you know, epic scores with this hymn kind of singing. Yeah. Yeah. She was in a band called Death Can Dance in the 80s, 90s. Oh, yeah, shit. They just played at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of years ago. They reunited and made a great album again. And they actually did a whole score for the film, which is brilliant. Oh, shit, yeah. And, uh, and I've been trying to get this film forever. And the, the film music was never released, for one thing. And I finally got the film. And uh, it's going to be released early next year sometime. It's oh, called, sweet, Mo- man. called Moonchild. Moonchild. Yeah, yeah I mean, Dead, Dead Can Dance, man. That's um, – yeah, they're – I mean, I mean, their stuff is used in fucking movie trailers all the time, and um, yeah, they they have uh, they have some they have some really good music too. So they did this entire soundtrack for the movie, yeah, complete soundtrack for the film, and Shit. never been released before. Um, I've been looking for the individual tracks, but we're not sure if we can find them because Augusty says he doesn't have them. And it's really hard to get in contact with, um, you know, Brandon Perry or Lisa Gerard, who lives in Australia. Uh, Lisa Gerard is actually in the films. He plays a major role, you know, in the film. And uh, anyway, I'm very looking forward for that release for a long time already. So Yeah. I mean, you talk about a brutal movie in a glass cage is like that, too. Jesus. That's controversial. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That one. That one definitely had me going. But I mean, there's like I said, there's a certain artistic value to that movie that you know is, you know, it makes you, I don't know, it makes you think. It makes you, it, obviously, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm all on board with this stuff. So I'm 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 excited for sure, especially seeing something. I, I don't think I've seen any other. What's his name? Uh, August Augusti. Augusti Piron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made another brilliant movie, which was actually the Oscar entry uh, for Spain a couple of years ago. Remember when um, Peter Almodovar made a horror movie with uh, what's that actor called? Under the Skin or something it was called. Yeah, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah and, and actually, Black Brad was Panegra by Augusti won uh, the Oscar entry for Spain above that one, and so actually, brilliant film, extremely brutal scenes in it. Uh, you never forget if you watch it and I can't tell you it's like really crazy but it's a beautiful film about the civil war at the same time because his films always have a political side to it or spiritual side uh, one or the other and that film I've been trying to get also but the sales agent they were going to sell it to me and then they withdraw when it got Oscar uh, you know, bus and stuff like that. And then it actually did not end up with the last seven in the Oscars for foreign cinema. And then it kind of never was released. Hmm. So that's that what happens, you know, with this kind of movie. But that's another brilliant film, one of his last ones. 
And there's many others. I mean, some of them are released in the U.S. You may not be aware of. You know. mm. I'm going to track those down for sure. Yeah. What is about a serial killer, actually? I've got to remember what a title is. You can look it up, but it's the name of, uh, I think it's fictionalized. But the way he shot it, it looks like a real film about a serial killer who really lived in South Africa, South America or something. But it's extremely brutal, too. And um, it's it's brilliant, actually. That was released by some art house film company in the U.S. But you have to look it up. I don't remember what it was called. Hmm. So you have a couple more, a couple coming up um, on Cult Epics here, and I wanted to, to talk about those for a little bit. Um, sure. The, the first one that I'm looking at here uh, is the Exotic Dances of Betty Page, and I don't know if we've talked about what we we on the last time we had you on, but uh, you you did a film called Betty Page Dark Angel, That's right? right, which was uh, based on. Um, uh, the unseen or, or the lost like bondage uh, film that that Betty Page actually did or what? Yeah, well, the ones she did and which don't exist. I, okay. have, I have a video. I own the rights for most of the Betty Page original films. I released two cult epics over the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. and the first one was actually Exotic Dance of Betty Page. It was a VHS, and at that time I lived in Europe. It was only released in Europe, but it was I distributed through Polygram, and it was actually a huge success. It was blurry video images of Betty Page dancing. You couldn't even see her face. <laughs> but it was just, I put this score, rock and roll score with it, and people loved it. And it was like a party video you put on at a party, you know, like 25 years ago. Betty Page was it, you know. It's like you, you see photos of her appearing at different places, and it's like, who is this person, you know, and people were excited. And now, actually, uh, years later, I think in 1995, I met... Uh, Paula Claw, Irvin Claw's sister, who made these films, and she actually told me at the addict at her uh, at Movie Star News in New York at the time, I, because I asked her, so what happened to the original films? Because I knew she was giving me these crappy video masters all the time when I got the rights. Um, I said, what happened to the original films? Because I figured at one point it's better to to re restore them and or re you know retransfer them. And she told me there's a box up there in the attic. And she said, I'm not going up there. I said, I have a fear of heights. You know, I have to go up this ladder really high. And I don't know if you ever, if anybody has been to Movie Star News in New York. It was a big warehouse, huge. And I had to go up this ladder extremely high. I was like shaking. But I found this box. And in the box were 200 Super 8 or 8 millimeter reels. And I kept them, you know, I, I made a deal with her, I gave her money and, and got the rights. And then 10 years later or seven, I don't know when it happened, I decided to transfer them, to look at all of them and transfer them. Some of them were the same, but there were about 15 with Betty Pates. And, but these were all exotic dances, you know, and that's, I went back actually now to these original films. I released these films like 10 years ago on DVD. I think it was called part of Irving Claw Classics, number volume one with Betty Pates. So now I went back to the reels and, and retransfer them. And it's amazing in 2K what can be done. We actually just, with a lap, we just made a video from, from 1991, the VHS release comparison between the DVD in 2005 uh, or six, and then the Blu-ray in 2016. And 
It's amazing what technology can do to these little super, you know, eight millimeter films. It's amazing. You suddenly can see your smile. You can suddenly see everything you didn't see in 1991, you know. And so it's actually, I did it mainly because it's a 25th anniversary. That was my first release ever. I started the company when I had a couple of Vita stores in Europe. And from there, I started a label because people were asking for Betty Pace and movies I released in the beginning were Cannibal Holocaust, Henry Porter of Serial Killer. People were asking for these films. So I required the rights for these films and released many, many cold movies, you know. And that's where it started, my company. And then I moved to the U.S. And now for the 25th anniversary, I'm, I'm retransferring all of these films and, and putting them out like people have never seen them before. So that was the whole thing. And with the Bondas films, you were talking about, yeah, there's those I only released about 10 of them. She made about 30, and some of them were like jungle girls. She was tied between trees, and all of these films <laughs> are lost. So I met this girl called Paige Riches, and she was an extreme lookalike. I mean, there are a lot of lookalikes, but they lookalike because they put up a lot of makeup and and have a, a wig or whatever. But this girl, in, she had no wig. She didn't even have a hair like that, but she just did a little bit of makeup and she looked exactly like it, and she had the southern accent for some reason because she was from the south. Uh, although we didn't, we didn't use it in the film. Um, I thought it was so. I recreated all these bonded films, which were lost forever, uh, because I just wanted to see them. I make them from a photograph. I make them become alive, hmm. and uh, then I written a story around why these films were such a problem, why she got in trouble with the law, and why she eventually disappeared. This is all of because in the fifties. Bondage is cool now and Fetters is cool now, but in those days was was pure pornography. And so the yeah. government didn't like it and, and you know, and she got banned out of the whole uh whatever she was doing. Shit. And that's the and that's the same thing with Sin, right? Because you're doing um Yeah, Sin was was interesting. After I made Betty Page, it actually the end scene when she goes to to church and finds religions and disappears. That's actually what happened. Mm-hmm. I never liked that ending because I'm not a Christian in that sense. I don't think people who are Christians, uh, you know, Christians always condemn sex and all, and then they do the most craziest thing every year on the news, you know. <laughs> and so you know, this guy, these people are hypocrites to me, you know. So I ne- always thought this was kind of funny. And so this ending kind of upset me, and I kind of wanted to do something sinful, and so I, during the years after, I was dating a couple of girls, and each one had a duality problem. One was like a dominatrix on stage. She gets caned and whipped and whatever. But in real life, she was like a Christian. She dressed with her buttons closed, and she was scared to talk to people in the store. And it was the strangest relationship ever. It's like dealing with two people. <laughs> And so I took the characters of each of the stories, there's three stories, and placed them in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and, uh, you know, changed the profession, and, and, and but took the stories of these women I dated and I started writing about. Um, I took, took this and, uh, you know, took it to its extreme. And so the one about the model, you know, who was very um, normal in real life, I place she was a sculptor's model in the movie and her alter ego is a nun who goes all the way so there's literally 
hardcore sex with nuns and everything, you know. And <laughs> so it's kind of like um, pretty extreme. And uh, when I finished it, I shot this right after Betty Page, between 2005 and 2008. I edited it in 2010, but then they released a movie called The Artist. Remember that movie with the black and white movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, yeah. a silent movie, right? Yeah, exactly. And my yeah. movie is silent and looks like a night film from the 1930s <laughs> as well. And uh, has a score by Claude Debussy. And, and so... You know, I was like, if I release it, everybody's going to think I copied this movie or something, which obviously was not the case because I made it way before that. But you know how it is. Uh, so I put it on the shelf for a long time. And also I was a little worried uh, because of the content, you know, if I wouldn't get prosecuted by Christians suddenly or whatever psychos walk out there. You know? oh, they're all voting for <laughs> Trump now, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't <laughs> Trump, but I think Trump is going to win. So, <laughs> but I hear you. But anyway, uh, I finally, you know, and then I had a bunch of other Super Eight films I never released. Actually, I put some on YouTube and stuff. Uh, things I just shot during travels I did and, and stuff. And I always like Super Eight. You know, it's like such a great format because it always looks vintage. You know, if you look at Pig. It's Super 8 and 16, but there's some look to it which you can't get you can't get on video. You know? So I always kept shooting on film. Yeah. So anyway, that's the story of Sin, and nice. that's finally coming out. And I think the thing is, it's about how Super or 8 millimeter to to the contrast between Super 8 or 8 millimeter to high definition Blu-ray. You know, that seems so far sought. Except it looks amazingly good, you know. And you've seen that with Necromantic. That yeah. was shot on 8mm or Super 8. And even that looks good on Blu-ray, you know. And it, But if you, funny enough, if you go to films like uh, Kenneth Anger made a lot of films on 16 and some on 8. Uh, BFI did a release of them on Blu-ray, the first release on Blu-ray. And it looked actually terrible. I don't know what, what they did wrong. And so I was extremely worried about this whole Super 8, 8mm to Blu-ray. But in my case, it looks actually very good. So I'm actually pretty happy with it. Same thing when I release Pig on Blu-ray and DVD. I think the Pig uh, Blu-ray looks extremely good. I mean, much better. When I remastered or retransferred it, suddenly you see a lot of more details. On and I actually, I'm actually for it, you know. So you have you have uh, Sin and um, the Exotic Dances of Betty Page coming out in September. That's right. Correct. And then you have Violent Shit coming out. Violent Shit comes out tomorrow. Oh, and, that comes uh, out August tomorrow. Night. August night. Oh shit, man! I'm so at the be time, busy. At the time people hear this, it is out. Everyone, it's out there. <laughs> the reviews should be up. <laughs> and Mars comes out uh, September thirteenth. You know, so it's coming up fast. Like also, the difference is with the time I have with Cold Epics, I can only do about six releases a year. And with Real Gore, we literally have one release a month. Hmm. And some of them are deluxe editions, like Violent Shit is literally a Blu-ray DVD, the CD with the soundtrack of Claudio Simonetti. And a, a 24-page booklet, and the same goes with Mask. It's a you know it's a three-disc set with a booklet and 
and looks amazing. So, so yeah, we're basically I, I, producing a lot more because now I have a partner. We, you know, it's a lot easier for me to work to work and produce and release things like this. Yeah, I'll be talking about Mask a lot because that movie is. Uh, I really, 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 really like that flick. So cool. Yeah, very excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch it either. That's on my on my radar for sure. I know yeah, that because uh, Josh posted the in the late uh, was last week, the week before he posted the trailer and everything for masks. So I can't wait to watch that. So yeah, I saw it pop up, and I was. Cool. I, I mean, I was. That was one thing. I was. You know, I didn't think. You know, somebody picked it up or anything like that. Wasn't sure exactly what was happening, mainly because you just never heard of it again. And I, it was another film that I talked about. And um, I think you would actually really like it, Nico. It's called The Last Screening. It's a, a, a French giallo film about a, uh, a guy who owns a theater who, uh, you know, at night or during the day he has shows, but at night he goes to kill women. And, uh, you know, it's like shot on 16. It's really gritty, really brutal. It's a new uh, film? Uh, yeah, it's for, I think it's from 2011. Oh, who and, released, uh, somebody released it? No one released it over here. It only has a French releasing. Oh, well, should check it out. Definitely. Yeah, um, it's really, really, really good. And it's different, different, like, you know, kind of giallo with mass. This is more or less, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, Baba giallo, um, you know, Anthony, Anthony Beto giallo, like, you know, who saw her die, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> you know, very drawn out scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's like holding like a stick of dynamite in your hand. You're just waiting for him to erupt and go go crazy, but also has kind of this linear love story of him trying to actually have a relationship, um, you know, outside of the movie theater as well as all the killing he's doing. So, yeah, it's a it's a really great film. It just it sucks because no one saw it. It's directed by Laurent Achard. Yeah. You should check it out. That yeah. Definitely sounds interesting for a real gore as well. Yeah. So, so, so if there's you know if there's any filmmakers out there and think they made a, a masterpiece which should be seen, they should definitely get in contact with us. Um, we're also thinking of uh, we've been in contact with the director who made the film Orphan Killer. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. Yes. Um, shit. I'm really bad with names tonight. I'm not usually like that. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> God, I'm fucking slacking, man. Yeah, Orphan Killer. It came out. Um, it had like a German release, like a three uh, a three disc um, yeah. a three disc set. But that's um. Well, that's my partner released that in Germany. Oh, okay. Steve. I think Steve released it, and so we're actually thinking. He also did. Uh, it was re- very limited released through his website, um, but he made a follow up which have not been released. So that's another one we have on our radar. But it's it's basically up to the guy to put it, you know, to get it going, um, because we're interested in that as well. That would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I I picked up that Orphan Killer three disc uh, from Germany. I think it's three disc. Yeah. Oh, you did. But um, that was that was that movie's a lot of fun too. So you're saying that's actually your um, yeah, that's, that's your partner for Real War. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see what you guys bring to the table because um, I don't know. With masks, you gotta—that's a big thing to follow for me. So <laughs> I'm really excited. 
the the one after is actually very good because it's you know it's it's even talking about extreme gore it even goes beyond mask you know which is already when you see what that it's kind of like how more can you can you can you get us but this is a good follow up and after that we're actually going to do probably a couple of japanese films but i can't tell you anything yet because we haven't signed yet mm. yeah so you know we're all we're all over the place it's not only jalo or german or whatever right right that's good. I mean, because I, I, like I said, most of these companies right now are focusing on, you know, more of the vintage seventies and eighties, and the it seems like the you know newer films that get do get released on some of these labels are, well, I, mean, I think Scream Factory is one of the few. I think who who has done some uh, Blue Underground's done a couple, but well, to have to have a label kind of focused on like more contemporary, more movies. contemporary kind of gore films sounds. You know, I don't think very many people are. No, no, doing not, it. not a lot of people anybody. are doing it. Well, only people who do it are studios, actually. Yeah, they buy it as secondary products uh, because if you look at Netflix, uh, I must say, I think one of the biggest genres on Netflix and and uh, is horror, actually. Yeah, and if you look, if you if you literally go through the films, every page has horror films. You know, it's like. It's like it must there must be a big audience for that for some reason or the other. I never thought about it. And then if you look at there's a new company, uh, Shutter. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Even, they have even more horror films than uh, than Netflix, and obviously you know thousands of horror films. And a lot of them are, are new horror films, and a lot of the studios pick up these horror films and, and some of them are actually good and some of them are not, you know, it's, so, and some of them are extremely boring. So yeah, it's very hit or miss. I just found out today that microwave, that microwave massacre is on shutter. So I might have to look into shutter because to have a movie like microwave massacre on there, it's well, yeah, well, sh- well, shut, shutters have, all over the place. Yeah, yeah they do. They, they do license uh, necromantic. Oh, okay. And they have, they have a couple of the Europe films. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what else they have, but they licensed a couple of films of mine a, couple, a year ago or so. Finger Life yeah. is nearly out. It's, but is it the horror genre, especially all these with these streaming sites and everything, like the the quality is just so hit or miss. So that's why it's fun to have certain movies, you know, going, you know, being a part of a label or a collection. Yeah. So you kind of know what to expect. So. You know, I, I, I'm imagining that's what's going to happen with real gore. Like people, you know, these types of movies, people will kind of know what they're getting in, in, in a sense. But you know, um, it's just yeah. fantastic. I, I, you know, I'm it's not for everybody, it. obviously. And yeah. But one thing you can be sure of: it's going to be extremely gory and <laughs> and over the top or extreme, one way or the other. And mm-hmm. if that's if you want to get into that, then there you go. Yeah, and, but. I- Oh, go ahead, Nico. Oh, so the, and the other thing we just decided actually a couple of weeks ago is to kind of, you know, have a label that people follow, you know, because you're either a gore fan or you're not, you know, it's like yeah. one way or not the other, you know, you're either like this kind of movie or you don't like these kind of movies and it's not in the middle, you know. And so we actually decided um, to actually for the real hardcore fans, people who really follow us, is to have these collector cards with each release and uh, final shit. The first thousand copies actually, 
Uh, we included one and with mask and every release is going to have that unless people get tired of it. But uh, I think it's kind of a cool idea to give uh, an extreme photographic image as a collector card. And um, that's going to, you know, they're going to be gone soon, but I think they're still up there because we just, we just shipped the first thousand copies and they're going to have that. And, uh, the reprint will be done next week, so that those won't have it. And I think it's the first numbered, because also a violent shit, a mask, because it's a limited edition, the first thousand numbered copies will have, uh, you know, one to t- one thousand out of edition of three thousand will have these collector cards. So that's a, a, another little extra for the gore fan. Uh, people love that shit, for yeah. sure. We realized that. <laughs> yeah, it was, what I was going to say is with, um, you know, it, it, what you were, you kind of uh, hinted on that is that, you know, you have your people that like, you, you have your people that love horror films, like, you know, stuff from the 70s and 80s and 80s slashers, but there's this huge group of people that truly love just complete, like, low budget, even, you know, artistic value to it. High budget, just splatter flicks. They really, really love them, and you know, belonging to some of these forums and groups. Uh, that's what I was saying. Like uh, Adam Chaplin, you know, Adam Albrant was the movie that I was trying to, or the director I was thinking that did Hunters and Cemetery and Crossbear. You know, a uh, film called Found that came out a couple years ago. You know, a Serbian film. Um, you know, the August Underground guys. Uh, there's actually a huge following to those movies, so. I think that your audience is already built. They just have to, you know, you know, being it's a new label and maybe some of the films they haven't seen before. But I think pushing kind of the giallo uh, at first, I think that will catch a lot of people's eye because modern giallo is a thing that's not around anymore. I mean, we maybe get one a year, if that. Nice. Um, you know, so it's 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 a dying like little subgenre that I I love to see. You know, kind of pop up every once in a while. I know. Uh, Barbarian Sound Studio came out a couple years ago. Um, you know, Julia's Eyes, um, you know, Masks, The Last Screening. You know, so, so it's nice to actually see some of the, you know, the, this style resurface. Um, and I think that will definitely catch a lot of people's eyes. And I think, you know, with, with this show, I think we'll be able to definitely throw that at people's face because I think if you hear, they hear gore and giallo, I think they'll blind buy these things. No, no, no questions asked because that's what people live for. You know, that's what they, that's what, that's what they really love, you know? And like I said, there's a really solid group of, uh, you know, uh, of fans that, that truly love those films. And, you know, it is cool. Um, you know, I can respect it. It's maybe not a hundred percent my thing. Um, you know, because I have to have some kind of substance, uh, you know, or, or 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 artistic value or style to, to these films. It's something um, to talk about at night. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. But it's it with, with these guys and girls, they don't care. It could be it could be filmed on shot on video, or it could be you know a hundred million dollar masterpiece. If it has blood and gore and extreme shit, they don't care, and that I can that that I can respect because they don't they're not judging a movie other than is it entertaining and does it appeal to them and do they cringe? I guess is is kind of what they look for. Yeah, it's yeah. one thing. So, it's a lot of it's kind of the, the experience, 
you know, of watching it and being shocked like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lightweight, so if it gets too crazy, you know, I mean, I think Necromantic was like the grossest I'll go. Oh, you didn't masturbate? <laughs> no. Mm. But, you know, I'll try anything once. Hey, well, that's right. probably the films of Marion Dora, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. But yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's all right. We all have, you know, we all have what we're what we enjoy <laughs> and everything. But but you know, but I think I feel like all these horror movies, you know, getting lumped into you know one label, trying to handle all aspects. You know, um, I think a lot of the more extreme fans can feel a little left out. So you know, it's it's good. You know, I think it's a good thing. You know, because yeah. horror is so varied, you know. It's, it's, I see it. And the same thing with cult epics. It's always been a Nits label. People mm-hmm. always said it. I didn't know what it meant because really so many different kinds of films. But I always say cult epics is a Nits label. It's, it goes for a certain audience. However, it's the funny thing. When I released films like Population One with the soundtrack by the Screamers and the guy of the Screamers or I do a movie, you know, with Tinta Brass – and I show it uh, to a girl. Girls love Tinto Brass movies. I don't know why. They love these kind of movies. It's, 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 uh, it's TNA with class. What t- well, they love is. it because they feel connected because the women are always the protagonists. And right. They're always the one in control of yeah. the guy, right? And so I must say, even the Vintage Erotic films are released. All of these films, women seem to love these films. A lot. The problem is always nobody knows these films. And and that's been the problem with me. It's like always been seen as a niche label. But I think the saving is going to be with real gore in some way or the other. Some horror fans are going to discover this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the followers, you know, it's it's a certain niche audience of people who love gore films. You know. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, we wish you all the luck with uh, all the, the best of luck with it, and we'll definitely be promoting well, uh, your films. The, these labels keep on doing what we're doing. And uh, Brad, did you have anything else uh, you, you wanted to ask Nico or, or add? No, man, I was just I'm I'm kind of overwhelmed right now with uh, <laughs> with all the information. I got to do research and watch a bunch of shit now. Right. So well, got, you know. me. Yeah, I mean, uh, Curse of Dr. Wolfenstein, uh, that's a great title, name, so uh, I, I'm, I'm curious in learning a little bit more about that, and uh, even, you know, for, for you know, the merit of just knowing about uh, Marian Dora, you know, I'll, I, I'm definitely interested for the, uh, just for learning about them, you know, I... I I'm all about you know giving something a chance and learning about it and then seeing if I enjoy it or not and if I don't it's great move on to the next thing but the fact well you you enjoy you will enjoy Mask yeah and, uh, you know Mask uh, your your gave us a great quote well it's very simple he said Andres Marshall is the is the new Dario Gento wow. <laughs> or the German Dario Gento he said yeah like yeah. you know and so. I don't know if he's the German Dario Gento, but it kind of that's what in in one sentence right. kind of says it all. You know? Yeah, Thanks. I mean, with, with Mask, I mean, yeah, I could I could definitely see that um, just coming from that movie alone because it's very Suspiria, like you know, that movie was made in love of Suspiria. It feels, I mean, it's, at times it feels like it's Suspiria, you know. Um, yeah. Well, I don't but know yeah. if I saw his first film, which was actually released pretty wide in the U.S. It was actually on Netflix for a while. 
the tears of Kali, you know. That, yes. And so it's really his style is Jello. You know, that's also Jello and uh, inspired. And uh, actually in the booklet, uh, there's a great interview with Andreas about his inspirations and, and, and why he makes these films. And, you know, this guy actually, you know, worked with Jörg. I think he was like a grip or did something on Necromantic or his first films. And he actually ended up, doing the artwork, you know, the amazing artwork for Necromantic and Necromantic 2. Andreas uh, did a design for that. You know, he's a designer of that. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, it was actually, uh, Pete Toombs actually uh, recommended um, Tears of Cali t- to me on um, mm-hmm. the last episode he was on because I was, because I talked about masks so much on that episode. <laughs> he mentioned that one. He said I would really enjoy it. And I did, man. It was really, really good. Yeah, so well, he's this, definitely, this, definitely, 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 filmmaker to watch out for for sure. Certainly, very nice. All right, Nico, um, do you, where can people who want to get more information about real gore? Uh, and we got uh, Facebook, Facebook dot com, real gore releasing. Is there anywhere else they should uh, check out, or is that the best? Yeah, place? well, the, actually, the website is being launched today or tomorrow. Okay, so by the time your your podcast is up, it's up there. And all the information is going to be on there. Is it realgorereleasing.com? That's right. All right. We'll make sure this is in the show notes for everyone to check out. Can, are they going to be able to pre-order uh, these from Real Gore straight from the website? or No, we don't do sales. Okay. Unless you work with distributor. So okay. basically there's a button. You know, you can click. You can buy it. There's two two different links. One is Amazon, I think, and one is Diabolic. Okay. But, uh, you we'll could have to get these into Grindhouse Video. Yeah, so tell me about that. I, I saw your email. Is that your own store or something? Yeah. Uh, GrindhouseVideo.com. They're a sponsor of the show. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you connected with Mike for sure. Yeah, I think Grindhouse releasing – I, I mean I've heard – Grindhouse Video. Grindhouse Video. They must be uh, connected to our distributor. You know? I, think, I think he is. So we'll, we'll make sure uh, – I'm pretty sure he'll be stocked on these. Yeah, as long as positive. Yeah, so then we can, you know, set up as well. It would yeah. be good. The more the more stores the merrier. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for right, being on again. Thank you. Great to have I you. And, uh, it, Thank you. We'll we'll talk to you next time. We'll have you on again for sure. All right. Talk next year. <laughs> All right. See you, man. All right. Thanks, Nico. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank all of you for listening to the show. Um, check out all the new stuff uh, coming from Cult Epics and Real Gore. We'll put all the information in the show notes for all of you, uh, links and everything, if you want to check any of these films out. And um, so show them uh, show them your support. Of course, check out our sponsors. Go to coffeeshopofhorrors.com. Use the code SCREAMCAST when you check out to get 10% off your order. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome September package is up for pre-order. I believe it's about 40% off right now. So check them out over at uh, VinegarSyndrome.com. Pre-order that. That one's going to be a fun package for yeah, sure. Yeah, man. Um, it's going to be a great, great. That's that's one of their best packages. Yeah. That they've uh, they've they've uh, they've put out for for me because 
Yeah, about Eon. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Hellbent, um, and not the gay slasher, by the way, which I thought was fun. I, at first, I thought it was about there's a there's a gay uh, slasher called Hellbent that's actually pretty decent, but it's like really really funny. Um, I suggest you check it out if you haven't. Uh, but it is like, like literally is like made by you know by uh, by gay guys. It's just so good. It really is. But yeah. I thought that's what it was, but it's not. Um, and then uh, uh, Horror House on Highway 5, which is really, really, uh, really, really fun. Yep. I enjoy that one. And quite Count a bit. Dracula's Great Love. And then, of mm. course, a Picarama. We still need to get to our August show. We realize uh, the August package we still need to uh, have a show on. And uh, we'll get to that. We've had all these interviews come up, so that keeps getting pushed back. But we'll get to that soon. And we'll probably, what we'll probably do is we'll probably talk about that and then also do the September package. Well, a couple weeks uh, in September. We'll probably do that. Just do them both. Do them both. So that'd be a hell of a show, man. That'd be a lot. That'd be a long show. We'll figure it out, but that that's coming. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we got to get some vinegar syndrome love in and we realize we, we haven't. So that will happen soon. Um, of course, check out horror pack. Uh, if you want to kind of, if you need to get started we just, in, we just you know, did, a, did, a, did a giveaway. Yeah. Yep. So I think more of those will come. Uh, we'll do more of those. That was pretty successful. And then, um, of, of course, grindhousevideo.com. Please try to order all your movies through them. They would, uh, they would, they would love it. Uh, on most of these shows and every, every Tuesday for sure, all the releases, uh, on the thing that, uh, John Portanova puts out. We have links to all the films through grindhousevideo.com. So check them out. Um, you can, uh, he he's he's pretty competitive man i'm pretty pretty surprised that he's uh he's you know trying to be as competitive as he can but I mean, even if you're paying a few bucks more than amazon just know that you're support you're supporting a small business you're supporting this awesome little store and uh for me that gives me warm fuzzies whenever i place an order with him hey i tweeted uh plenty of tweets uh cheaper than amazon was my hashtag Heck yeah. And he was beating Amazon prices on numerous titles. Yep. We'll have to do that again. We'll, we'll do that again. Cause, uh, if you go through there, he has some good prices on some stuff. And of course, I want to thank Wolfman of Mars for providing music for the show. You can check them out over at their band camp, uh, Wolfman of Mars.bandcamp.com. They do have a new album out, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, and then of course, our art designed by Kevin Spencer. Check out his shit. Go to the screamcast.com slash sponsors. Check all them out. You can also find links to our Twitter accounts and all that bullshit over at thescreamcast.com, as well as news and reviews. Um, huge shout out to Josh Obershaw for keeping the site populated. Uh, Killing it, Josh. With, with all the news items. Um, if you would like to help support our writers on uh, thescreamcast.com, we do have a donate button. Go to thescreamcast.com slash donate. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, there's it's it's through PayPal. It's simple. Um, I I keep bulking on the Patreon things. For me, it seems like you got to do like all these special little things, and I don't have time to keep up with all that. Um, if if it's if if I can set up a simple way to donate through Patreon, if you're going to do that, great. Um, I'll probably set that up soon. I keep saying that, but uh, right now the PayPal thing is super easy. You can do a one-time donation. Um, or if any amount you we want, or you can do a monthly. And, um, what I want to start doing is as we get people donating, I do want to mention you guys on the show, um, kind of give shout outs to all the new people kind of supporting the show. Cause, um, 
because <clears throat> we do want to get some some uh some money coming in for our all the people that are helping to keep the site going because that's that's kind yeah. of the, you know that's kind of the you know the nuts and bolts of keeping everything going and but if uh, you want giveaways too like we oh, have yeah. to uh you know because i mean as sean joked in the beginning like we really do this for we put more money in this thing than i mean we don't make anything and we put we pour money into this and you know shipping can be uh relatively expensive yeah. when we do uh you know giveaways because uh, like two three bucks doesn't matter but sometimes we we actually have stuff stacked up ready to give away but you know we have to find time to do it we have to you know uh and, and pay for it and, and not saying hey pay for this shit no, but I just help you keep you, the show afloat. Yeah, keep this if stuff you going. want more stuff, like I mean, as you can see, we don't fucking have ads on our website. We don't have that shit, and we don't want it. So, like, this is all kind of—it's like a family. All right, uh, that will do it for this week's show. And thank all of you guys for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.